Welcome to the 73 Dream Studios Variety Show. All right, everyone. It's me, Ray, and I'm back with Casually Filthy. Thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause. So, uh, honestly, though, I can't thank you all enough. It means a lot. The feedback, the number of plays that we actually got on that episode, we broke into the top five. I'm super thankful for everything you guys did. And the studio greenlit a second episode, which is a hell of a lot more than I can say for grappling for grappling of Ray, because I kind of had to, I kind of had to try and get that myself. But hey, casually filthy's back. Uh, we're still under a few intense restrictions with uh, actually bringing in real guests. So uh, please welcome my guest for today, Sicily. All right, I'm sure they did not see that coming at all. <laughs> All right, so uh, the first time I did this, I don't know if you heard it, but the first time I did this, uh, I kind of had to interview myself, which, you know, it's not really an interview. It's more of a running monologue. So uh, I guess the I'm still working with the structure of the show with a with an actual person. So. Yeah, so work with us. All right, so uh, well, I was mostly talking to you. Well, anyway, <laughs> yeah. so um, I guess what I'm going to start with first are some of the icebreaker questions. All um, right. Because despite the fact that you're a co-host of mine on many shows, the people don't know much about you. That's true. They really only know that I am professional in most senses. Even then, I feel like that's mostly just because I'm a terrible, terrible person when it comes to... (laughs) That's just it. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... I, I guess so. I'm gonna go easy on the icebreakers, uh, but still, uh, you have the right to, like, uh, I guess plead the fifth, we'll say. Okay. If it's something you don't want to answer, or uh, but uh, and then after we get done with those, if there's anything that comes to your mind, whether it be something taboo, whether it be a vice or something that you that you feel impacted your life, or just a story you want to share, let it fly. Cool. So the first question I'll ask, and this was the question I asked myself to start the first ever episode: What do you identify as? Uh like sexually or you you can answer however you like (laughs) okay um i guess i i identify as heterosexual and and you know like uh who i go after i i like the men's um (laughs) uh i don't really i don't guess i don't guess yeah that's how you word sentences (laughs) i guess i don't really identify as anything else i I'm not too, uh, I don't explore too, too much when it comes to my identity besides just being fairly, uh, average, I guess, in most senses. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't want to answer for you, but I'm not, like, how I'm interpreting it is you identify as Sicily. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Okay. That, that, I just wanted to, to clear that up. Um, so you talk about... Yeah, you did mention heterosexual. You did mention you go after men. So I'll I'll start with this next question. And if there's a story that comes from this, so be it. When was your first kiss? Oh yeah, that's definitely one of the stories I was going to include. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, we. I mean, hey, if it, if this is a good story, I don't even need to ask any more questions. Oh, yeah, let, it's a let, good one. Let it fly. So uh, this is uh, kind of a. I'm not gonna get straight to the kiss because there's like 
it leads the story leads up to the kiss there was a lot of stuff well not a lot but there was oh. quite a lot of stuff that happened i will i will say maybe for legal reasons uh either a fake name or some ever yeah, moniker of yeah. course okay. i'm not gonna give exact names <laughs> i'm not gonna expose people just yet <laughs> Ooh, so that's um, for that's for her autobiography <laughs> So I was quite young. I think I was like about 13. I was, I think it was the summer after sixth grade. So I was with one of my best friends at the time. Let's just call her Amanda. Um, And she had her own two, like we were hanging out outside. That was one of the things we just liked to do in our spare time. We would just hang out outside, do whatever. And she had two of her other friends were there with us let's just call them Tweedledee and Tweedledum and we're all just like being kids being ruthless and (laughs) we're hanging out and all of a sudden this guy comes out of nowhere like I'm pretty sure my best friend Amanda she knew this guy they were friends he comes over let's just call him uh Jack Jack comes over he's looking fly you know I'm just like okay he's kind of cute and he so so we're like all talking i don't know what we're talking about but we're all just vibing and then tweedledee tweedledum and amanda they all pull me to the side and they're all just like you think he's cute right like he's kind of cute and like i'm pretty sure he's hitting on you like you should do something this is (laughs) this was like one of my first times experiencing peer pressure like i had heard about it but I hadn't really firsthand experienced it, but this was, like, peer pressure at its finest. They're just like, yeah, like, you should, like, ask about or something. Like, you guys should get together. You guys would be a cute couple. Basically just egging me on. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so they're like, yeah, like, you guys should be, like, dating. And I was just like, uh... <laughs> this was all before the first kiss even happened? Yeah. And so I never said, like, the first thing they asked me was, like, oh, do you think he's cute, this and that? And they just, like, kept, like, talking. And I never said anything in this whole conversation. And then they're basically just, like, pushing me back towards him. And somehow we were in a relationship. Don't know how it happened, but it happened. (laughs) And, yeah. So before the kiss happens, we're, like, all, like, hanging out on the steps. And Jack is just like, you know what, guys? I heard that uh, if you uh, snort Skittles, not Skittles, what was it? It was, uh, what are those? They're like these like very chalky candies. They're not Skittles, but like, oh, I forget the name of Whoppers them. Whoppers? Or... No, not Whoppers. They're like, oh, Sweet Tarts. I think oh. that's what they're called. Um, anyways, they're very chalky. And he's just like, yeah, I heard if you crush these up and you snort them, like they give you a high. And we're all just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so... Another part of peer pressure because everybody else is doing it and I was just like, why not? I guess this will be fun. So we're literally crushing up sweet tarts on the side of the like, literally on this like marble, not marble, but just like this very ghetto staircase. And we're all just like sniffing this fucking candy and... Like, we're all just making jokes and shit and being like, oh, if you don't, if you, like, don't sneeze, then you're not gonna actually get high and shit like this. And so, yeah, that was a time to be alive. Um, I, like, later on, like, not even, like, a year after when I just looked back on that situation, I was like, that was stupid. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) I should have never done that. But, uh, 
Anyways, so we all like go to this field that's like in the back of my best friend Amanda's apartment. It's this huge field. We're all sitting there, minding our own damn businesses. And so we decide to do like truth or dare or some shit. And all of a sudden, um, I'm getting dared. Oh, I need to burp so much all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm getting dared to kiss Jack. And of course, Jack is like all for it. And I'm just like, if I'm getting dared, I'm not gonna. Mama ain't raised me to be a bitch. So <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Literally, this whole night was just peer pressure. <laughs> like, none of it was really my choice. I was just like, yeah, sure, since we're together, I guess that makes sense. So, literally, the fact that I had to have my first kiss with somebody, I'm pretty sure he had already, like, kissed somebody beforehand. Like, obviously not that night, but this wasn't his first kiss, I would imagine. And um, I had to be kissing him in front of an audience of people. And... I did not know how to kiss. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. I legit had my eyes open for the kiss, um, <laughs> which you might not think is weird, but like, it's weird to me when I think back on it because he had his eyes closed and my eyes were wide open when we were kissing, which just makes it awkward to think about. <laughs> and this man's turned it into a makeout session and decided to stick his whole tongue down my throat which wasn't very enjoyable because I thought I was just going to be like, you know, quick smooch, we good, we good. But no, it was, uh, he turned into a makeout session. And then after we were done, everybody was just like suggesting different things that we should like do. Not like sexual things, but just like different like kissing like things that we should do. And it was just, no, it wasn't a fun time. <laughs> it really wasn't because <laughs> everybody was just keep like kept trying to hype us up to do different things, and I was just like, I barely know this guy. I don't even know his last name. Like I don't even know how old he is. I just know his first name. That's all I know about this dude. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, my first kiss. <laughs> what a story! Yeah, the story of a uh, peer pressure, uh, early early age candy drug addiction. Oh yeah uh the the uh, uh the peer pressuring attempts to try not only the french kiss but the somali kiss the the, the asian kiss i don't know where <laughs> whatever countries have separate kisses the eskimo kiss yeah <laughs> what a time to be alive at the at the very impressionable age of 13 mm -hmm. all right well that was a good story um then i guess the next the next apologies for the cat um that <laughs> We swear she's not getting tortured in the background. Oh no, she's just begging me for attention. Uh, but so speaking of speaking of begging attention, I want to ask you another question. This one about what would what would you say is your passion? I would definitely say theater is my passion. Um, it's so important to me. I, it took me a while to like figure out that that's what I wanted to pursue in my life. I guess, but um. I actually started to do theater at a fairly young age. I think I was around like 13, 14 because my uh, dad's mom, who I call her Nana, uh, she is very much into theater. And when I was young, she actually got me to do my first musical when I was in Mulan. And she worked at the theater that I had done the musical at, except she had her own program where she taught young kids about like 
I would say eight to like 12. She taught those kids like musicals. They were mostly just musicals, but she did like junior shows with them. And she was the director. And basically after I did Mulan at this theater, um, she had me come and join her and help her out with the shows. And I helped her out for at least like a couple years. I basically was the jack of all trades. Like I helped with costumes. I did some tech work. And uh, yeah, I did a little bit of directing too. And I basically just like took care of the kids and, you know, made sure nothing dangerous was going on. So that was a fun experience. But after I uh, experienced that, I started to get more into actually acting when I was in high school. And then, yeah, I just kept pursuing it. I did an internship and yeah, I just kept going back to theater and I kept realizing that it was more of like an escape for me rather than just like a little hobby that I like to do here and there. It like, it definitely contributed to my happiness and just overall confidence because the more I did acting, the more I was confident in myself and my acting abilities and it just became a place, like, a safe haven for me to be. And I just have had a lot of fun with it over the years. So, yeah. And now here you are, uh, sitting in front of the microphone. Yeah. It all comes full circle. <laughs> it really does. All right, we talked about your passion. What would you say, what is your vice? Vice. Good question. Is it sweet tarts? No, definitely okay. not. <laughs> um... Do vices really have to be like something bad? I don't know. Like I like vices are generally seen as something bad. Like if you watch a cop procedural, it's usually something like, "Oh, this this person was addicted to heroin" or something like that. But like uh, a vice is usually something that you're heavily you're addicted to. Sometimes, who knows? Maybe for some people, their passion is also their vice. Well, I guess I could... My vice is listening to that cat meow. <laughs> I guess I could say that uh, marijuana is my vice. Mainly because um, I don't see myself ever not smoking weed. Um, and I am technically... Well, I am very much under the legal age to be smoking marijuana. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I started smoking weed when I was 16... And my parents, well, my dad didn't know, neither did my stepmom. I was living with both of them at the time. And my mom was the first one to find out because she smoked weed and I knew this. She actually bought me my first uh, piece to smoke out of. Um, but yeah, she, my mom was pretty cool with it. But uh, when I first started smoking weed, it wasn't like most... Uh, teenagers smoke weed for because at least the crowd that I hung out with or just the people I knew in general were smoking weed and doing other drugs just because like it was cool to do that and it was cool to say like oh yeah I was so high last night I went to school high and just like shit like that and just a reason to be like lazy and just you know like I don't know it just it wasn't a good look for most of the people that said that they did those types of drugs but uh I mostly did it because I had a lot of trouble sleeping when I was a teenager, uh, and I had a feeling that it would help me at least in the slightest because 
I've heard stories of people just like passing the fuck out after they smoke. So I was just like, I'm gonna try it because why not? I feel like being a little bit experimentive. So, uh, I mean, the first time I smoked, I didn't get high at all. It actually took me a couple tries to actually get high. But um, ever since I started, it's definitely been a changer for my life. It has boosted my mood. It has helped me sleep. That was the first thing it helped with. Um, it has changed my perspective on life, like days when just everything is going wrong. Smoking will just very much affect uh, how I look at life afterwards. And it doesn't like affect my work ethic or clout. I don't know. It, it definitely helps me more than uh, does anything bad. Because I, I still have some people that I know that don't really agree with me smoking weed, but uh, they still accept me somewhat, <laughs> but they just don't think that it's great for me to be smoking weed, but I just don't care because it's my life and I'm going to do what I want to do, and if it helps me and it actually impacts my life in a positive way, then I feel like it shouldn't really matter what other people think. All right, couple follow-ups on that actually, because uh, I, I I don't know about my audience. I know myself. I know next to nothing about marijuana. Um, that I for, I know there's a few different strains. Is there a is there a specific strain that you like, or do you experiment a lot? Um, I would say I experiment. I I know that there's like a lot of names for strains. Like there's a lot of names. I don't really know if the names have much to do with the strains like I feel like it's just like creative things that they come up with that has a little bit to do with the actual strain but I'm definitely more of an indica person because indica just is more of like a relaxing uh strain I guess you could say it's uh some people like to say it um like I <laughs> the first time I like realized the difference between indica and sativa is when somebody described it as indica, it makes you into couch, which basically just <laughs> translate to like you just like sit on the couch and don't do anything else, which isn't always the case, but sometimes it is. Um, and sativa is more of a happier like um, it gives you more of a like uh, it. It's basically something you could smoke and still like go about your daily tasks and it gives you more of a like uh energetic feel to it so yeah i'm more of an indica person and i guess another follow-up uh is there a specific way you like to i don't know i don't know how to word this is there a specific way you like <laughs> to smoke it or maybe just ingest it i know pot brownies are a thing <laughs> yeah edibles um i would definitely say i like to smoke it and usually the way i like to smoke it is joints if I have other things to do, it's usually joints, but if I don't have anything else to do and I just want to, like, relax, it, either a blunt or, um, a bong. There you go. All right, everyone, if you want to send her uh, a present, you send her some bongs to, uh, <laughs> I'm not handing out her address.com. <laughs> All right. Uh, only got a couple more questions before I let you go on your own riff. Um, this one, this one I, I kind of thought of as like a fun little one. If Say you could do anything for a day. There's no restrictions where you could go, no restrictions what you could do. If you could do anything for a day, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. 
There's so many possibilities. <laughs> All the weed. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do that now, but, um, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I could do anything for one whole day, what would I do? Um, so there's just no restrictions of where I could go, what I could do. There's no restrictions at all. Huh. I mean, with the way things are now, there's just like so many things that there's I'm so sure many re- every, everyone wants to do. There's so many restrictions right now dating this episode. Like, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't really matter where I would go, but I like have always really wanted to go to a concert. And it's hard to decide who I would want to see, but I guess I would say Billie Eilish just because I love her music so much and just her as a person. And I'm sure that her concerts go hard. So that would be a very awesome thing to experience. Oh, hell yeah. Probably the closest I've ever gone to a concert myself is the pro wrestling shows that I would attend. Right, yeah. And even then, I would only really consider WWE to be the the rock, the rock concert like shows, yeah. whereas like all the indie shows are very much the like chill like nightclub vibe. Like, right. Yeah. If it's a terrible nightclub. <laughs> all right. The last question I have, uh, dating back to the first episode, which to our listeners, if you haven't heard it, highly suggest that you go back in the archives and listen. Hell yeah. Uh, the first episode, to, it got really, it got a bit depressing because there was a lot of talk of regret. Is there anything you regret? Um, no. I try not to have regrets. Obviously, I've, like, thought about things that, like, I might regret or things that just, like, I wish could have been done differently. But when I really think about it, ultimately, if there was something that I could change or go back in time to just like try to do differently my life would be different I probably wouldn't even be in the same position I am now I probably wouldn't know some of the people I know wouldn't have the same relationships that I have so no I wouldn't want to change my life all right very solid answer so uh that's it for my icebreakers we got a couple of good stories out of that we educate the people this now uh this is your time it, 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 are there any story any other stories you want to share yes actually this is probably going to be the more depressing section <laughs> i was hoping to start off with it so that way the other parts could be lighthearted. but i guess we'll i mean just... that's i mean i can tell you that's not how it happened when i went in like, <laughs> yeah true. but but this is as i said before in the first episode this is the judgment-free zone you are completely safe here cool so i guess i will um, talk about addiction. That is the general, um, talk. And I'll be talking mostly about the effects that it has, not just on the person who has the addiction, but also on the person's loved ones and just people that they know closely. So, um, before I even talk about this, I want to just say that I love both of my parents, my biological mom and my biological dad. No hate towards them, but I'm going to be talking about my perspective and what I experienced, so obviously it's not going to paint them in the best light. And uh, if you happen to be someone I know closely, or just somebody that knows me in general, and uh, I start crying, <laughs> or it gets really emotional, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess, I, you already said it's a no-judgment zone, so I, I shouldn't have to say don't judge me, oh, but... Oh, yeah, uh, you, you get started, I'll get the tissues. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's likely that it might happen, so... If it does happen, we're probably going to take a break. Here, here's the box. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Whew. So this is going to be hard for me to talk about because 
it's not something that I casually just uh, tell anybody or just uh, I haven't really gone too much into it with people I'm close with in general. So, uh, also the story is probably going to be all over the place. It's probably not going to happen in chronological order or, uh, anything like that. But anyways, let's just, uh, start with generalities and the basics. So, I, I grew up with my mom for the most part. And before I was one years old, or before I can even really remember, my mom and my dad divorced they were married for, like, a very short period of time, um, so my mom was single, for the most part, and she, uh, she was going through a lot when she was alone with me, um, I didn't realize this for a good chunk of my childhood, but, uh, she obviously had her own mental issues, and she had her own addiction problems, and she was very much, into, uh, heavy drugs, um, I can't even really name them all, (laughs) because I lost count, but, uh, it was very much hard for me as a kid, and I didn't even really realize (laughs) that it was, like, that I was dealing with it, per se, it was something that I gradually just found out about, honestly, I thought that my mom was normal, Like, I just thought she was an average mom. But, uh, slowly I kept picking up on things that just weren't okay, I guess you could say. Um, so, for the most part, my mom was, I don't even know how to say it, but she was just in a rut, a very bad rut. And she didn't have a job. We lived in an apartment building in Manchester, New Hampshire on the west side. And she had food stamps in Section 8 because she wasn't working. And for the most part, I... Whew. (laughs) This is already hard. (laughs) So, I took care of myself for the most part. I might need to pause real quick (laughs) already. Just give me the word and and I'll hit the button. Alright, well, we're gonna hit the button real quick. Alright, and, uh, we're back. Don't worry, that's not, that's gonna seem like nothing to them. No, no ads for this show, so, uh, you may continue where you left off. Alrighty, so, uh, for, once I started to get old enough where I could basically take care of myself, which was, like, I wanna say around the age of, like, maybe five, six, maybe a little bit older, I basically took care of myself, like, just did the basic needs that I needed, just, like, cooking myself simple things, making sure that I was drinking water, you know, keeping up my hygiene. Wasn't really something that my mom, like, made sure that I was taking care of. Um, my mom did take care of me to a certain extent, like, sometimes she would take me out to a restaurant or she would buy food for us. Sometimes she would cook an actual meal. And she's actually a good cook, so I don't know why she didn't cook more, probably because she just didn't have the motivation, but, um, sometimes she would actually, um, take care of me. It wasn't, uh, all the time that I was taking care of myself, but for a majority of the time, I was learning just how to take care of myself, um, which I thought was normal. I thought that was just the way of life, so 
it wasn't really a depressing thing for me at the time. Um, so moving on, um, as I started to get a little bit older, I just started to notice more and more that my mom had just toxic tendencies. And I started to notice that she would put her addiction above me. Um, yeah, uh, she would either just bring strangers over to the house, just people I didn't know. She would bring random guys over to the house. Um, I remember this one time, uh, I had one of my friends over and she was legit just having sex with a guy in the room next to us and they weren't even trying to be quiet. So that was fun. Um, pretty sure my friend didn't want to ever come back to my house after that. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was all over the place. Um, sometimes she would just leave me home alone for like hours and wouldn't really explain where she was going or when she would be coming back, but I would just learn how to be home alone without burning the apartment down. Um, and she became very, like, manipulative and very, um, just toxic in general. Sometimes she would be verbally abusive to me, sometimes she would physically abuse me, but I think at the time I didn't know that it wasn't actually her trying to be that way. It was just the person she had turned into and what drugs were turning her into. And it was a lot to deal with because at the time I didn't fully know <laughs> what drugs were and nonetheless what heavy drugs could do to you as a person. And I didn't know that, I didn't know what she was dealing with or what battles she was facing. <laughs> so now as like an adult myself, thinking back, I uh, understand partially what she might have been going through because she's told me some of the stories from her childhood and I know that her mother wasn't, uh, <laughs> her mother wasn't healthy. Um, and the few, not few, but the experiences I've had with her mother, because her mother is still alive. Her mother is still not in an okay place. I also remember a time when uh, my mom would take me to her mom's place and we would stay there for a little bit. And I remember specifically one time, they, they always would end up getting into very huge arguments, because that was also something my mom uh did she uh fought with a lot of people and usually it was uh physical fights not just screaming and yelling and i always remember that whenever her and her mom got into fights her mom would just like throw plates and stuff on the floor and just like get very aggressive um and i remember her mom uh always had at least one or two cats and as a kid i was uh a raffian with cats. I don't know why. I just like to fuck with them. Not to the point where like I would hurt them or anything, but I just liked to play around with cats. And uh, I was like running around chasing one of the cats and um, her mom. Let's call her Brenda. Actually, let's call her Karen. Because um, why not? Um, Karen got mad at me for some reason because I was running around because why should a kid uh, run around? And, uh, she told me to sit down, and I sat down, of course. Because as a kid, I wasn't, like, 
I wasn't very, like, troublesome. I was to an extent, but, like, I wasn't really um, as troublesome as some of the kids that I knew. I was pretty obedient because I just, like, I don't know. If I got in trouble, then, like, I knew I wouldn't do it again. And I just, I tried to stay out of trouble as much as I could, especially around Karen, because I knew she had a temper. So I sat down, and I don't know, I think I was, the chair was like a rotating chair, so it span, it would spin. So I was like distracting myself by spinning in the chair. Uh, Here comes the burps again. Sorry <laughs> for your ears. Um, <laughs> Sorry if you're just grossed out by people burping, but um... <laughs> I can't hold it back. So anyways, I was spinning in the chair and um, she got mad at me doing that. And uh, there was this uh, heater and it was like a stone one. I don't, they have a specific name, but it was this really like heavy stone heater. And uh, she like, she said something to me, but she was like pissed off. And she like came up to the chair and she like whipped it around so hard that like my face hit the heater and I got like a huge black eye and then my mom was just like all right deuces we out but yeah that's just a description a little description of how my mom's mom is um so I started to understand at a certain age that my mom was uh fucked up (laughs) for a very good reason and she definitely uh reflected how she felt towards me not towards me but um she reflected um her own issues and her own instability on me and that definitely affected my childhood and affected how I just processed everything um the one thing I did know is that my mom loves me and she still does um But it was definitely very toxic, and the more that I lived with her, the more that I started to learn how toxic everything was, because it just got more and more toxic. Like, it was one thing after another. Um, I was just, I was left around all the wrong people. Um, sometimes she would take me to parties, (laughs) like, adult parties, and she would just, like, leave me. Um around strangers and that led to me once not at a party but that led to me being sexually assaulted more than one time um by the same person luckily it wasn't multiple different people um but uh at the time I didn't even realize that it was wrong (laughs) I didn't even the one thing that I knew was that like it felt wrong to a certain degree but I didn't. (sighs) So. (sighs) I knew that it wasn't okay, but at the time I was young enough where I didn't have... (laughs) doing great (sighs) okay (laughs) I'm trying to say what's in my head but it's hard 
was young enough where I knew that something was off. But the person who was behind it um, made me feel like no one would believe me in that it was okay and that it was normal. So, obviously, as a naive child, I went along with it. But eventually, um, I was able to stand up for myself, and luckily it was not a situation where I wasn't able to get out of it. Luckily, it was a situation that stopped the moment that I was able to say no. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, after, I mean, once that stopped happening, it was kind of something that I just tucked into the back of my mind and didn't think about for many years until I was old enough to remember it and realize that it was definitely not okay and it was something that I had to get through once I remembered it again. Which is so weird because I never thought that, well, I, I don't know, it's, throughout my life I, like, kind of had heard of, like, trauma, but I didn't fully know that I had gone through it to, I guess is the way to word it, um, but I never really knew that you could go through something so traumatic to the point where you just, your mind blocks it off and you just can't remember it. Unless something triggers the memory, um, which is what happened to me, it just, it, I don't know, it just suddenly came back into my memory bank when I was, uh, in my teens, but anyways, that was probably one of the first really traumatic things that happened to me when I was a child and it just kept getting worse when I lived with my mom and we also didn't have like a stable living situation we did live in that apartment in the west side of Manchester for at least like five maybe ten years of my life and then after that we just kept living in different places almost every year I remember never staying at the same school. I would always change schools every year. Um, we stayed in Manchester, but we kept moving, and most of the time my mom would live with other people. She didn't really live by herself after that apartment in Manchester. We lived by ourselves, I think, one year when I was about 12 or 13. But yeah, um, once I started to become a teenager, it got a lot more rocky just because of the more realizations I made because at least when I was a kid I could kind of just like shake things off and be like ah that's just my mom being my mom like that's normal but uh as I got older and saw like some of my other friends and like hung out with my other friends and their families I definitely could see the difference and could see that like my mom wasn't um a normal mom <laughs> definitely not in any sense um I don't think there really is, like, the definition of, like, an average mom, I guess. But, uh, I definitely realized that she was not average, uh, in any sense. She 
she tried to get better. She was in and out of rehab a lot, in and out of jail a lot. Um, I didn't always live with her. Sometimes I was living with my great-grandmother because my great-grandmother raised my mom for a portion of her life. But, uh, yeah, whenever I was living with my mom, it was always, like, bad things were happening to me even when she wasn't around. Um, I remember another big thing that affected me when I lived with her was my brother passing away. Um, that hit me hard. Um, I kind of just, like, learned to deal with the shitty stuff that happened to me. Uh... But my brother was just, like, that, like, needle in the haystack. The, not the needle in the haystack. <laughs> the, uh, the, that saying where it's just, like, something about the camel's back breaking. It, of course, it's just not even registering in my mind what the actual phrase is. But, uh, it definitely, uh, fucked me up mentally. Um, I, like, didn't want to go to school. I remember, like... Missing at least like a month or two of school like I missed so much to the point where I Like had truancy officers um, Threatening that they would have to pick me up and bring me back home from school Because I just wasn't going to school. I was falling behind so much um, I was skipping school because I just didn't want to be there um, It was bad <laughs> Somehow I managed to keep passing. I never stayed back um, because I was smart enough where I could uh, I could catch up. I remember at one point I had to stay after school a bunch of times because math was the subject I just sucked at the most. Uh, and I ho managed to get help in math and stayed after school and all that to pass. But it was a lot. I was in such a... Um, depressive rut. It was pretty bad. Um, but eventually um, I moved in with my dad. Um, that didn't last for long because the first time I moved in with my dad, well throughout all of this I didn't live with my dad. I uh, some When I was younger I would just visit him sometimes like on the weekends. Sometimes it would just be like for a day. Um, he wasn't much in the picture when I was pretty young, but, uh, I did see him sometimes, be but he did have, like, girlfriends, and, um, yeah, but when I moved in with him, it was because my mom had gone to jail for the, uh, millionth time, uh, and I lived with him for a year, and that was when I met two of my very close best friends. Still to this day, they are my very close best friends, and I wouldn't change that for the world. So, that was probably a highlight <laughs> in all of this. Um, so I lived with my best friend and her mom, and my dad was dating her mom. This is also something I didn't realize at the time, but my dad was also a heavy drug user at the time. And I'm not just talking about weed or alcohol. <laughs> Obviously, he was he was very much into other things. And this affected his relationship with uh, my friend's mother. It affected them both because they were both doing heavy drugs. Um, 
which uh, made their parenting not the greatest, but uh, it was at least a little bit more stable than my mom. And I think I moved back out after the year, but then eventually when I was in seventh grade, in the middle of seventh grade year, I moved back in with my dad, he had a new girlfriend, and I started a new school, and it seemed pretty much average because I had gotten used to moving around and changing schools, and honestly I wasn't too happy about it, but for the most part of that year I was just happy to have something consistent. And, yeah, I was going to school every day for the most part, unless I was actually sick. Um, my grades were a lot better. Um, and my dad wasn't doing heavy drugs at this time, as far as I know. So, uh, his relationship was a lot healthier. And I actually liked, um, his girlfriend, even though he had had plenty of them beforehand, but... His girlfriend was actually really cool, um, they're now married, um, and we have a good relationship, so that's good. Um, but yeah, things definitely were on the <laughs> upper hand at this part of my life. Um, I still dealt with a lot of things, because as a teenager, um, you're bound to deal with a lot of shit. <laughs> Even if you have a pretty normal life, um, it's very difficult to find yourself and find what makes you happy and figure out why the hell, uh, you're, uh, experiencing all the emotions you're feeling and it was very hard to just look back on my life and just realize, wow, I've been through all this shit and I don't know what my life is gonna end up looking like. I don't know if I'm gonna go to college or if I'm even gonna finish school because both of my biological parents didn't finish high school when they were supposed to. My dad, I think he, I believe he went to college. Like he got his GED and uh, did a little bit of college after, like years after he was supposed to. But uh, yeah, I was definitely worried and still had quite a lot of um, depression, although I didn't actually ever get diagnosed with it, but I definitely had um, a lot of moments where I just was depressed. Um, so yeah, um, that's the chunk of it. Um, I can definitely say that things do get better even when you're going through a lot or even when you're going through like the most minuscule things because sometimes I've learned even though I've gone through like traumatic stuff even experiencing like small just everyday like struggles can really add up on you because I <laughs> Ooh. I'm the type of person, as many people, well, at least many people that are close to me know, I'm very much the type of person who will, 
I'm trying so hard. Um, oh, I'm very much the person who will bottle things up and will just internalize all my feelings, all my feelings and all my emotions, which I do not recommend. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Um, that's just the way I... That's just what I learned. Or at least it's just the uh, bad habit that I grew up manifesting. Um, but uh, I would definitely say don't do that. Um, if you can help it. Um, so yeah. Um, I've noticed that even small problems, if you bottle them up, can catch up to you at some point, and uh, a small thing will make you spiral out of control, so if you're experiencing problems and you have someone or people to talk to, you should do that, because um, it'll help at least a fraction. And as I was saying, things do get better, even if you think they won't. Even if you think everything is going to be the same, that is not the case. Um, because when you're dealing with shit, it can feel like it lasts for years. Um, but when things get better, they really do get better. It really just depends on your perspective on things because generally I'm not a sad person. I, uh, have lately have been pretty happy, um, I've surrounded myself with good people, and I have very supportive parents, and I have good relationships with them, and as I already said, I wouldn't change the way my life has gone, because as much shit as I've been through... I am pretty strong, even though, <laughs> even though I'm breaking down, um, I'm pretty sure I've thrown at least, like, 15, uh, tissues onto this floor, but crying and breaking down is not a sign of weakness, <laughs> um, as I've learned, um, it just shows that you're human. Because you can't just experience one feeling or one emotion. Uh, I, uh, I'm kind of ranting at this point. Uh, if, you, if you want, I, I do have a question to help kind of wrap it up. And you can certainly plead the fifth of this. You've been very strong and very brave throughout this whole thing. Normally I ask two questions. You already answered one of them being, what would you tell the people? You've definitely given a very, me a very good message to them. The second message, the second question is, um, with all of this out in the open now, with all of this off your chest, off your shoulders, if your parents were here right now, what would you say to them? <sighs> well, uh, definitely not that. <laughs> I guess I would say... <sighs> Firstly... I am thankful that I wasn't abandoned, <laughs> for the most part. Um, you guys uh, stuck it out with me, 
even if all of my parents, because I have three of them at this point, but my biological parents, uh, they were there for me for the most part, and they still are, um, I, even though I'm not a parent, I definitely realize that parenting is not easy, um, not in the slightest, and just thinking about all the hardships that both of my parents have been through, because they haven't told me their full entire stories, because that would take forever, but, uh, I appreciate that you were able to be a parent and also deal with everything that you were dealing with on the side. And I am blessed that both of my parents are trying to get better as people and that they have learned and grown with me and that they have taught me a lot even if they weren't trying to and that they have taught me what not to do and the right things to do um and yeah I just uh I love them, and no matter what uh, what they might wish or regret didn't happen or anything like that, um, I will always love them and appreciate the people that they are becoming. Alright, well, um, Cicely, I, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, Today, you were not my co-host. Today, you were more than my roommate. Today, you came in and you've shown that you are, you're a very strong, brave woman who's gone through a lot of, a lot of hardship at such a young age. And that's, that's uh, going to be a message to the, to the youth that knows, hey, it, I, I'm not alone. It's a message to the adults that both, and I, honestly, it's a wake-up call to the adults because... While there are some adults who are aware of the impact they have on their children, there's plenty that don't even know, that don't come close to realizing what what one, what even just one action could do. So I thank you again for your time, and for everyone listening at home, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we hope that you, you, no matter you're a child or a teenager or a young adult, a parent, we hope you were able to take something away from these stories because maybe that maybe that's the message we found on this show that no matter what, life isn't going to be perfect. No. There's always going to be something going wrong. But we're here. And believe it or not, casually filthy may just be the name may just be the, the name of life as well as this show. So uh, thank you again, Cicely. Uh, goodbye, everyone. And I'm still terrible at doing outros. <laughs> so uh, take that as your lesson. Love it. Much love to you all. Enjoy the rest of your day.